forward to last week. <laughs> week 11, um, I can't hardly believe it's over. My body's ready for a little bit of a rest, but it's been so much fun talking to you. Um, there's so many more things I want to tell you. Like every week it's it's trying to whittle it down to what will fit in this little time frame. But what I'm trusting is that God has, there's something that each of you can take away from this. Whatever it is um, that's useful to you in your life. That's what my prayer is. Um, before we get started, I'd really like to say one thing. When we were talking about dreams, I didn't say this, and so many people have a hard time with this. Um, sometimes you'll have a dream, and it'll be a famous person, maybe a very high-level prophetic person, or someone you really look up to, and in the dream they're giving you a gift, or they're praying over you. And I know people that have spent years following that person from place to place and conference to conference, thinking that to get the gift, that person has to pray over them. Can I say that you received it in the dream? Because people aren't literal most of the time. If you dream about a famous person in your dream, it's almost never literal. So I know people that have gotten so disappointed that they just give up because that never happens. They'll go to a conference, they'll follow them here and there, and it never happens, and they get so disappointed. So I just want to tell you in that situation, it's a big deal. That's why I'm bringing it up. Um, people who study dreams dream a lot about John Paul Jackson telling them stuff, imparting stuff. Well, now he's gone. But before that, that's exactly what would happen. Most of the time, you already received that gift in the dream. And all you have to do is start to walk in it. So don't get in that trap where you feel like you have to get it from the person you dreamed about. Because so many people miss out on what God has for them, thinking they have to get it directly from that person. Okay. So tonight we're going to talk about prophetic evangelism. This is a word, two words that used to strike terror in my heart. <laughs> they did. It terrified me. Um, I really always thought this applied to people that were like moving in power and super outgoing and charismatic, and that was me. So I knew this wasn't for me. Yeah, this was another one of those things. I knew it wasn't for me. Um, but what I've come to realize is every single thing we do for another person under the unction of the Holy Spirit is prophetic evangelism. If you just say a kind word to someone, if you write them a card, if you leave someone a big tip and write them a thank you on the ticket, I mean, just every little thing we do under the unction of the Holy Spirit is helping that person move a little bit closer to God's goal, and God's goal is that they're His. He wants every person to come to Him. And so we... My idea of prophetic evangelism was that big person out on stage doing the big stuff, and that's not it at all. It's anything that we do that plants a seed into a person's heart that God can water. And that's, you know, that happens, and I'm going to talk about that. I was raised where you get the person, you get them to say the sinner's prayer, and you did your job. 
It almost never happens that way. Even if you get someone to say that prayer, most of the time it's just so you'll leave them alone. Seriously. If you don't know them and they're strangers, they, they just want you to go away most of the time. And it's not like something really changed. The sinner's prayer and in the Bible, y'all, I mean, we, it, we've learned to do it that way. But people see straight through motive. And so if you walk up to someone with a motive of, I'm going to get them to accept Jesus, they feel that from you and they won't trust you. And they're going to probably run away from you. Um, but that's not what Jesus did. He just showed love to people. You know, he didn't have an agenda with them. He didn't, I don't see one place in the Bible where he set them down and said, repeat after me. <laughs> you know, he didn't do that. He just showed them love in lots of different ways. He healed them. He fed them. He spoke kindly to them. I mean, he just met them right where they were. And to me, that's what prophetic evangelism really is. And so it's not some big, scary term. It can be big things, but every little thing we do matters. So I want to share this um, happened. We were in worship uh, in 2005, and I'll just read you what I wrote. It's Wednesday. And during worship at church tonight, my heart was breaking for my children. They're both being battered and broken by the enemy. And they were just, they were both in a really bad place. My tears fell like a river. My heart aches for them to return to the Lord. God asked me a question as I cried. He said his heart was breaking for all of his children. They are being battered and broken by the enemy all over the world. God asked me if my heart would break for them. Man, it changed my focus. Like I was, I was crying. I was just praying so hard for my kids. And I realized God feels that way about his kids every day, every moment. God doesn't even want one to perish he loves each one with great love. Will we put away our apathy and seek, seek the lost? God, help me to seek them out. Help me to love them the way you love them. I don't, and I know it. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please give me a burning desire for souls. I want your heart, God. Please let your heart beat in me. So in my life, I want, I'm, I'm a helper by nature. I wanted to help people. I was afraid of them, especially people that were different than me. I felt okay in a group of people, you know, that were kind of like me. But I didn't have a clue how to interact with people that were different than me. And I was afraid of them. Um, I wanted to share. <laughs> I really did. But I'd convince myself that's not my personality because I'm an introvert and I'm quiet. And I shared this early on. I'm going to just share it real fast again. Uh, you know, that time I was listening to something on the computer and we were praying and I had my hands up and I was praying along and they said, and for prophetic evangelism, and I jerked my hands down. <laughs> and it was totally involuntary. And I could feel the Lord watching me. <laughs> 
And it's like I was walking around the house. I could feel him watching me. And finally, it's like he said, what was that all about? I said, I I don't know. (laughs) Because I didn't plan on it. But I didn't want that impartation. Like, it scared me. I, I had the wrong idea about it. But he wouldn't let me go with that. He just kept kind of, so what was that about? And finally I said, it's just not my personality. And what he said scared me to death. He said, are you sure? (laughs) That scared me even worse. Because I thought, what does he mean? And what does that mean? And what do I have to do? Because I was really afraid of people at the time. So what I did in my life is I just started where I was. Um, I've talked to you about in the beginning how Keith Miller brought those conferences in and how God just started a work in my life. Well, after the first one, I'm the kind of person that if something ministers to me, I want to give back. And I remember Todd Bentley had talked about he really missed home cooking when he's on the road all the time. So I thought... I'm a good cook, and I'm going to make him a Texas brisket dinner, and it's going to just be anonymous. I'm just going to make it, and I'm going to leave it. Well, I told my mother-in-law, and she said, well, why don't we just feed all the speakers all the meals? (laughs) So we did. That's what we did. And so it it was something I could do. I didn't have to really talk to him much. I just, I got to feed him, and I just, it made me feel really good to be given back got to meet Todd Bentley and Jill Austin and Patricia King and all those guys. And it was just so fun to watch that they were normal people. Because I had this idea in my mind that people who were in that position were just, you know, they were super spiritual and all that. They were just real people. And so that was a really good thing for me. The next thing, uh, I started helping Keith with his book table some. It was just another thing I could do. It wasn't that hard. It wasn't that scary. I could do that. Well, then, in 2003, I was talking to him, and he said, Hey, we're going to Bulgaria. It's our first international trip. We're going to do a mission trip. You want to come? And the way he said it, looking back, I'm not positive he really invited me. (laughs) He was just kind of being nice. But the Lord just, it went right to my heart. And I knew I was supposed to go. Well, that was a big deal for me. For one thing, I was really sick. And the idea of a 24-hour plane flight in those little bitty seats with fibromyalgia and 24-7 pain and all that, it just almost seemed like too much. But I knew the Lord said to go, and I decided I'm going to trust him. I'm going to go. And I did, and I never slept one minute on the plane. But it was so amazing I felt so good while I was there. We walked a lot, and I was to the point I couldn't walk much. We walked a lot, and I could do every single thing we needed to do. And I thought I was already healed, but it was just his grace. He asked me to go somewhere. I went, and he gave me his grace. And so it was really amazing. I had some pictures. They're really crummy pictures because it was a throwaway camera. But they just wouldn't work. I'm gonna, I have a few things on a slideshow we're going to do in a minute. Um, I was just going to, oh, okay. Um, but anyway, it was just, 
it was a new experience for me. And uh, like we walked in and I hadn't slept already for about 36 hours. And when we walked in, it was just, when we got there, it was just turning daylight. So we didn't get to sleep till that night. And in Bulgaria, it had been a communist church and they were an underground church. And every time they met, they, they risked going to prison or being killed. Someone would call them on the phone, they'd say, meet here, and they never knew if it was for real or not. So this was an amazing group of people, and they were so excited that we were there. We were the team. You know, we were the people at power for the hour from America. And I felt so out of place, I thought, I can't believe that's I'm part of that. But it was so amazing what God did there. It'll wreck you. When you go on a mission trip, it just wrecks you. So, sorry we don't have the pictures, but anyway, it was the very first time I had to get up and speak, and I didn't know I was going to have to. <laughs> it was funny. One of the people said, so do you have your little 15-minute message ready? And I said, what do you mean? And I said, no, like at the, we, we spoke at the school. No, you have to share. And I'm like, no, I haven't heard anything about that. And so I actually had to do that. And it was just so amazing how God just, he just, he gave me grace. And I had an interpreter, you know, because they all spoke Bulgarian. And it was amazing. I had no idea that what he was setting me up for. But that trip really changed my life. It just changed my perspective about everything. And I wanted more. It was so amazing to get to do that and to see the way it impacted people, and I wanted more. So then I came home, and uh, he just had me doing little things. Like, I was asking for things. Like, okay, give me an assignment, God. I'd be all full of faith. Well, then he'd give me an assignment, and then I'd be scared. But there was one time I was in line in a drive-thru and the Lord said, when you get up there, I want you to give her $20. And when she asked why, I, I just I want you to tell her it's because I love her and I'm thinking about her. Well, $20 to me back then was, still it's a lot, but it was really a lot back then. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. And it was so funny because I drove up and I told her my little thing, you know, I believe God speaks to us and he just wants you to know he loves you and wants me to give you this $20. And she was like, why? <laughs> but what's so cool, I'm not going to say her name because we didn't discuss this. She goes to our church now. And I just love it, y'all. I love how that just that little tiny thing impacted her life. It's just amazing what we can do. Because I would go through there every once in a while, and she started asking me questions like, well, where do you go to church? And so it's just amazing how God can do things. Um, I had another thing at Taco Villa. Chad was supposed to meet me for lunch, and he forgot. <laughs> I was out in my car, and I hate to go eat by myself at a restaurant. I just don't enjoy it. And uh, I had been asking the Lord for an assignment. Sometimes I would think, why did I do that? And he said, okay, I want you to stop there at Taco Villa, go inside and eat. Well, first of all, I really don't like to do that. So I thought, well, okay. And he said, there's going to be a young girl in there. 
And when you see her, you're going to know who it is. And I want you to ask her if she's having trouble with her relationship. Well, that was really challenging. This is going to be a stranger. I'm a stranger. She think I'm nuts. You know. So I go into Taco Villa and get my food. And I sit down and there's nobody in the place. I'm thinking, okay, I know you told me to come in here. So I'm eating and I'm looking around. And I'm just thinking, well, I don't see anybody. And I was almost finished, and I heard a little noise, and I turned and looked behind me, and there was one of the little girls working there. And she was taking her break, and she was right behind me. And I knew immediately it was her. And so I was too nervous to just turn around and talk to her. So I thought, okay, I'll get up and go fill my drink up, which I did. And then on the way back, our eyes met, and I said, hey, <laughs> she's having her break, minding her own business, and I'm thinking, you know, here I am, this lady, she's going to wonder what in the world, and I said, I know this seems really strange, but I really believe God speaks to people, and he sent me in here specifically to ask, are you having problems with the relationship? And I felt really vulnerable. She busted out crying. And she goes, oh, my gosh, I just found out yesterday I was pregnant. Like, my boyfriend, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if he wants me to get an abortion. I don't know what to do. And we just sat and talked. And I just told her, okay, so, and she was a Christian, but she hadn't, like, been to church or served the Lord in a long time. And so we just sat and visited, and I can't remember everything we talked about. And I just told her, you know, this is how much God loves you, that he would stop me, send me in here to find you, and let you know that he loves you and he's going to take care of it. And I loved, I just loved that. Well, it was probably two weeks later I was at home, and the Lord impressed me to write her a card and give her $40. Well, again, for me, for whatever reason, um, he's always having me give things. And so that was a big sacrifice to give $40. But I wrote the card and what I thought he was saying. And he said, okay, go up there right now and give it to her. And it's so silly how we think. I thought, well, what if she's not there? What, like, I don't... And, and then it was like, really? <laughs> Do you think I don't know if she's there or not? So I said, okay, I'm going. And I went, and there she was. And I just handed her the card, and I wanted to run away. I wanted to go back, leave. And it was like, nope, you need to go sit out in the, out in the restaurant wait for her. So I did, and I was so nervous. And it was about 10 minutes, and I really thought she wasn't coming out. In about 10 minutes, she came and sat down by me, and she was just crying and shaking her head and just... She knew God was encountering her. It was amazing. And she told me, she said, my boyfriend, he's excited. I'm not getting an abortion. She said, this money, we need this money so bad. And it was just amazing. And it was so funny. She had showed the people behind the counter first, and they're all like peeking around. <laughs> I felt funny. But, y'all, it's just two little examples of what one tiny little act of kindness can do. I mean, he can use the smallest little things. Um, 
And sometimes I always felt like I don't have anything to offer. Well, we have something to offer because we carry the light. And we carry the light. Um, after the Twin Towers went down, I remember there was this story they told. And I've never gotten over it. Like, it just stuck right here. And it was a janitor that was in the building, and he happened to have a flashlight. So there were presidents of companies. There was every kind of person in there. They were trapped. It was dark. No one could get out. He has a light. And when he was telling the story, he said people were coming just crawling. Some of them were injured so badly, crawling to the light. It, it didn't matter that he was nobody. He, he felt like he was nobody because he was the janitor. And these people are all fancy and rich and have positions. All they wanted to do was get to the light because the only way they could find safety was with the light. That's who we are, y'all. I mean, really, that's who we are. And as this world gets darker and darker, our light shines brighter and brighter. And so we don't have to worry about the darkness coming because we carry the light. And I always thought, well, nobody needs anything from me. Yeah, they do. They might act like they have it all together. Nobody has it all together. No, but nobody, none of us in here has it all together. And out in the world, they sure don't. So I think we just need to be vulnerable and, and just see what God will do, you know. All the rules of decorum change in the darkness. People are just looking for the light. That always makes me emotional just thinking about it. Okay. So then we started having healing rooms here at the church. And I'm like, I'm on it. I want to be part of that. So started doing that. And then um, it's, it's in the mix up there. We, we did this at 2 o'clock in the morning, so that is, you know, I know it's not a great presentation, but it's just a few pictures of some of the events I've gotten to do. Um, we, we, we started doing the Polk Street Block Party as a church, and we'd take two, we have two white tents, and we'd take them out there, and we would offer a place for people to change their babies. Moms could go in one of the tent if they were breastfeeding, we gave water. We were just trying to be, there it is right there. We were just trying to be helpful in the community. And then we also offered prayer, and we started offering prophetic ministry. And we didn't snag a lot that way. I, I watched for them when I was on. It's like, I want to get somebody. <laughs> Most of them, they were either traditional Christians, and they thought we were a cult, or they were... They were people who didn't want us to know what they were doing. So, like, most of them walked by real fast. <laughs> so what we would do, I don't know, the drum circle right here, that's Kevin Prosh's band. They were here, and that was Martin on the drums right there. And we had this huge circle, and we had extra drums, and the people would just come and jump in, and they were having so much fun. In fact, the organizer said, y'all's was the favorite thing out there. And people would come, and they had a beer in their hand, and they're dancing, and it was all good. And I loved, I was on duty at the prophetic tent, so I was watching. 
and I'd watch people and they'd, they'd be like, wow, they're having so much fun. And they'd look at the tent and it said more church. And they'd look puzzled. And they'd look at everybody having fun. And it was like a new concept that a church could possibly accept them and be having fun. Because right outside the gate were the protesters with their megaphones yelling, you're all going to hell, you know? And so we just need to be kind to people. I really do. So we did that for several years. The last year we tried, a big storm came through and just decimated everything that was set up. Luckily, nobody was there yet. So Lyndall was there. <laughs> and, and then they quit having the block party. But that was just great experience for me. And then we started having the prophetic rooms. And that was something I never thought I would get to do. I've been doing it the whole time. It's my favorite thing. That's the hardest part about doing this is I had to sit the whole time out because I can't do both. Well, then I started just dream interpretation for myself. I found a good site that was based on all John Paul Jackson stuff. And then I started doing some classes online from that same site. Well, then I thought, well, this is helping me so much. How about I just share what I'm learning? So I started having some classes up here on Saturdays. And we had, what, 40, 50 people come in for a while. And it was so much fun. And it wasn't like I was a pro. I was just teaching what I was learning. And so do you see how God just, he just hit me a little bit more each time? Um, then I started teaching prophetic community classes here at Moore, and we haven't had those in quite a while, but we used to have them every month. And then my friend Mary Bruton came to town. <laughs> That's her right there with the short hair. Um, she has destiny dreams. Um, I had met her, but she moved right across the street from my sister Carol. And she wrecked me. <laughs> Because that's what she does is she goes to outside the church. She goes to events, dream interpretation. We don't call it the same thing we call in here. We give like spiritual readings or it doesn't matter what we call it. It's prophecy. Um, you don't say God and Jesus because people will just run away from you because most of those people are scared of Christians because we're the ones with the megaphones yelling at them, shaming them, and they don't want to talk to us. So we would always use words like spirit of truth. That's one of God's names. Spirit of wisdom. That's one of God's names. And so you just learn to talk without saying Christianese things like hallelujah. You know, all those things they hear, and they're like, well, I don't want to be around those people. And to me, I learned that it's kindness. Yeah. It's kindness to speak in a way they can understand, you know? And so we started practicing doing that, and uh, she started taking us on field trips. <laughs> but first, Burning Man, that was like, that's the most amazing thing I've ever done. In 2015, she went with a team and met up with the team in, uh, from Bethel. And I was on the prayer team. I'd heard about Burning Man several years before from Patricia King, and it just wrecked my heart. Just hearing the stories of how 
God just reached down into the darkness of somebody's life, somebody that's totally running the other direction from God, and how he would just minister to them. It just it just wouldn't leave me. So I wanted to be on her prayer team, and we prayed a lot. It's a big deal out there. But I was thinking, I'm glad I'm not going because there's no way I no way that's not me. Well, next year I was there. <laughs> But we did a prison ministry. I think it was the prison in Tulia. We got to go, and while they were doing their service and stuff, our team did dream interpretation. It was so amazing. I was so intimidated. They wouldn't do more than like 150 people at once. So when we walked out, the first group was already out there, and they were all watching us walk in. And again, I thought, I don't belong here. (laughs) I I, I didn't have confidence, but after the second one, I was just, I was wrecked because so many of these guys had dreams, and it was calling dreams for while they're in prison because I can't tell you how many of them, they were just torn up because they'd given their life back to God or they had found God, but they felt like, well, until my sentence is over, I'm trapped here and can't do anything and God just kept showing just over and over with different ones the jobs he had for them to do right where they were it was amazing and just the change in their countenance to know okay the next 10 years of my life don't have to be wasted like I can really be I can be about my father's business right here it was amazing I just it was amazing so then the next thing we did was Pride Fest. And we went to the very first one, and then we went to the next one. And some of those pictures, that's, that was actually from Burning Man. Let me see. If, the one with the tent that's all decorated up, that was our tent at Pride Fest. And we did, um, we did, we had, I'll, I'll wait and see if that menu board comes up. We had a little menu board, and people could come and say what they wanted. It didn't matter what the menu said. It was all a way, right there, it was all a way to get to minister God's love to them. Core alignment, it was all about those things in your life that have just knocked you out of whack and you can't get rid of, you know. Um, it, It was just amazing, and we had practiced, and... But I didn't know. I didn't know how that was going to go. I was, again, I was on my recorder all the way home, like high as a kite after that event, because watching God touch people that had no interest in knowing him and the, the things he would speak over them and the destiny words over their life, it was crazy. And there was a couple of times I thought, well, how how can I say that to a person that, They're not even seeking God. And God just showed me he's constantly speaking destiny over all of us. He has a destiny plan for every single person on the planet. So it doesn't matter where you are right now. It doesn't mean he's not going to speak to you. And it just totally changed my paradigm about that. Um, And then there was the protesters out there on the sidewalk. And there was such a difference. They looked mean and angry, and everybody stayed as far away from them as possible. They loved coming to talk to us. 
And it's like, I really, I wanted to say, have you ever, has anyone ever gotten saved while you're yelling at them? I mean, it doesn't work. People want to feel valued. They want to feel like you love them, not like you hate them. And we got to hear what they thought about those guys. And it was not good, you know. It, it was just sad to me because all they see is meanness from that. So then, here comes Burning Man. Something I would have never dreamed I would do. Um, the next year, Mary asked me if I would like to go. And terrified again. And I thought, I'm going to pray about it. And the Lord's like, yeah, I want you to go. I'm thinking, oh gosh, how am I going to do it? So I thought, okay, you've always been faithful to me, everything you've asked me to do, so I'm going to go. And it took a lot of preparation. That is, that is an eight-day out in the middle of the desert. It's hot. It's crazy out there. I mean, physically... Emotionally, spiritually, everything. You've just got to be prepared for that. And so I started preparing. And you see that pink bicycle? That's the way you get around out there. It's basically, that's my bicycle. I went and bought it, and I started riding my bike, and I rode it in the middle of the day, in the hottest part of the day, because that's what it was going to be like. And that's me with my red face. You can't see it very good. Like, I would just be so hot. But... Every time I got tired, I just I would say to myself, for burning man and for souls. And it was just like, a, it just drove me. And that was us leaving the Amarillo Airport. <laughs> and that's burning men from the air. It's crazy. Um, it's a city of 70,000 people in the middle of the desert that just comes up. They're all intense, those, all of our bicycles. You have to get around by bicycle or walk. That's the way you get around. Um, it's very exhausting. That's Sam. He was one of the people from Bethel. We met up with a group from Bethel. Um, we had an amazing tent. It took so much work. That was looking from just the front of our tent back into the ministry area. And we had five rooms back there. And we didn't advertise that we were Christians because no one would have come. In fact, they might have run us off. <laughs> But I can't tell you what God did for my, the way I see things through that because I realize those people, every person is just like me. They're just like me. They hurt just like me. They cry just like me. They have joy just like me. They're just in a different package, you know? And it, it just amazed me. Um, some of the People from Bethel, they really just kind of wanted to play. There were a lot of ministry students there. We went there to be in the rooms. That's what I went for. And so it was hot back in the back, especially in the front, in that big open area that got airflow. Back in the back, it was hot. But I couldn't get enough of it because every person that walked in was just another, I think... I don't think all those pictures of the people I took pictures with are up there. We, a lot of them wouldn't cross over for some reason. But just getting to see how God can move, we put him in such a box, and it has to be a certain way, it has to be a church service. You know, 
it's amazing when you just put yourself out there and just, you know, he's not going to ask you to do something you're not ready for. I sometimes thought he did, but <laughs> but I look back and I think, no, he prepared me. He used all those little things to make me ready. But um, I don't know, it's just my heart now is for the lost. And it's not like in a sense of, I'm going to go in and save the lost. It's like, I want to love them because he loves them. And we had people come in. We had this one guy come in, and he looked really clean cut for out there. You know that Burning Man clothing is optional. (laughs) He learned to make a lot of eye contact. (laughs) But this one guy came in, and he looked pretty he he was dressed nicely and everything. He didn't look like he really fit out there. And he said, it's the weirdest thing. Like, I'm a CEO of a major company. I don't know why I'm here. I just, this idea came in my, ha- my mind to come here. I don't know why I'm here. This is the first place I walked into. The word God gave him, oh my goodness, you guys. God sent him to Burning Man to hear a word from a bunch of Christians who weren't. I I think it'll absolutely change the rest of his life. It's amazing how God can do that. He knew exactly how to reach this man. And over and over, we had examples of that. And one of the things, I'm sad my pictures aren't up there. We just happened to land in an area where right on the other side was a whole camp full of kids, little kids. And that's a scary thing out there. There's a lot of, you know, some people go and there's a lot of art and sculpture and all that. And that's all well and good, but there's a lot more than that out there. Like, it's pretty dark. I wouldn't tell anyone to go out there that wasn't really prepared because just it's oppressive especially for me because I'm such a feeler. It was just oppressive out there. But it didn't matter. It's like God just broke right through all that when they would come into our space. And the the times I wasn't in the rooms, I would be out in the main tent greeting people as they came in. And they would walk in and say, what, what, is, what is this? You know, what? And they would be looking around like, what what am I feeling? I've never felt this. What is this? And they just couldn't believe it. And here's how I feel about it. They felt something real. And they're going to recognize it the next time they feel it. So I think to me, for prophetic evangelism, we have to get numbers out of our mind. And we have to quit saying, oh, i got to have this goal of, It's not successful unless we get this many salvation cards filled out. It's not like that. It's like we got to plant seeds for eight days. And people, I had the feeling with some people that there was no one in their family line that had ever served the Lord. And we got to plant a seed that might not ever have gotten planted ever. And it's such a privilege to do that, you know? And we don't have to think, well, it must not have been very effective because we're the salvation cards. No, we got to plant. And the Bible says some plant, some water, and another harvest. I never really paid attention to that because, you know, we're trained. 
go for the prayer. That's really not how it works with most people. You know, and Daryl's talked about this before, how a lot of times it takes eight, ten times of being exposed before somebody's even ready to think about that. And so we got to plant that first little seed. And some of those people would come back day after day after day. Now you're in the middle of the desert. It's over 100 degrees. The wind blows constantly. All my pictures with the dirt aren't showing. <laughs> Even as we pulled onto the playa, within 10 minutes it was a whiteout, and we just had to stop. And I thought, what have I gotten myself into? Because <laughs> I'm actually allergic to dirt. So there I was. And everywhere you went, you had to have your goggles and your mask everywhere you went. And when it started blowing hard, you just had to stop wherever you were until it calmed down a little bit because it would just be wide out conditions. The dirt out there was like talcum powder. And it was very acidic. And it was just miserable. That part of it was miserable. But it was so worth it because I've never hugged so many sweaty people in my life. <laughs> And I'm sad my pictures aren't up there. I got to spend one whole room. They called it the treasure room. And it was they thought it was just a fun, cool game. And they would just, we had three treasure boxes, and they got to pick one thing out of each one. And we had a board, and it had numbers or colors or a word, and they would place their objects on the board. Just, just an opportunity to prophesy. And this one that I remember, this guy, he picked this really dead seed pod. And then he picked this, like, this leaf all by itself. There's all kinds of things in there. And then he picked this big bouquet of flowers. <laughs> and everything he placed them on were either green or they said green, like on that board. It was all about life. Green is about life. And so, you know, the Lord just showed me that you feel like this seed pod, like you're just, you feel dried up, and you feel like you just don't have anything, like it's all dried up. And this, this one that you're, you feel isolated, like you're not connected to anyone, and he's already crying. And I'm not saying Jesus, y'all. I'm just, and I said, you feel isolated like this, but this is, what you want, and this is what's coming, this beautiful bouquet. And just, I don't remember what else I said, and he's just in there bawling, and I'm like, God just really touched that guy. And he doesn't even know it, <laughs> you know? But everything we did, it planted another seed. And so I think if we can just quit worrying about numbers, quit worrying about a salvation card, and just love people where they are, that's what draws people to repentance. It's the love of God that draws people to repentance. Not making them feel ashamed. Not making them feel bad about themselves. It's his love that draws them. And that's who we're supposed to be. We're his representatives in the earth. So if we're mean, that's not a very good representation of who he is. One of my favorite things I got to do. Um, I met this lady out in the front, and those little kids would come over. I forgot to keep telling you about that. The kids would come over, 
And we were so happy they were safe at our place because there was so much bad going on out there. And they weren't supervised. Like, they were just running around, and they were little kids. And this one little girl would come over every day, and we had a big ping, ping pong table set up in the front of our tent, and we had crafts. We had all kinds of fun stuff. We had a couch. It was set up like a big living room. And then we had games outside. And uh, so she would just keep coming. And her mom came over one day, and I could tell. I didn't know who she was, but I could tell she, she was far up in, in darkness somewhere. And so her daughter, Lorelei, wanted to come in the treasure room, and I just happened to be in there because I'd really been praying for this girl, this lady. And uh, so she comes in, and she says, is it all right if Lorelai comes in? I said, oh, yeah, sure. And she said, well, can I come with her? And I said, yeah, you bet. So they sat down, and Lorelai picked her things, and we did hers. And then she started whispering to her mom, and her mom's like, hmm. And she's whispering, and she's very persistent. And I'm just waiting because I know what she's doing. She wants her mom to do it. Well, finally, her mom goes, um, Lorelai really wants me to do this. Is that okay? I said, sure. So here's what we would do. This is my favorite thing that we would do. Every single person we spoke over, we would say, we listen to Spirit of Truth. Well, who's the Spirit of Truth? And I said, so we would just tell them, assume the position and repeat after us. And we would say, Spirit of Truth, we ask you to come shine your bright white light into my heart and reveal truth. They all did it. <laughs> Talk about Jehovah Sneaky. They didn't even know what they did. They gave him permission, y'all. They invited him to come and reveal truth. And even, it turned out she was a Wiccan high priestess. Even she did it. And I was thinking, how is that? And I think God just, when they walked in our tent, he shut down the enemy's ability to do anything. Because I kept thinking, they're going to know what's up. They didn't know what's up. And this Wiccan high priestess is like, spirit of truth, and she was so intense. I just ask you to come with your bright white light and reveal truth to my heart. And I was just thinking, oh my gosh. So every person, I can't tell you how many people we got to, like we were in there for about five hours a day and would come out just, just exhausted. But realizing how many people we got to encounter and then they would send their friends and they would send their friends and y'all, it's hard getting around out there. They would come, sometimes they'd take them hours to get to us. So it works. I mean, it works. When we show love to people and we don't judge them and we just care about them, it's just amazing what God will do. It doesn't matter what they're wearing or not wearing. <laughs> I got a, That was a little hard for me to get used to, but... You know, you just don't look too closely at people. <laughs> one of my best, like in the room, one of the very best encounters we had, I'll just tell you about this guy. He came in and he had like a, like that Grecian leaf motif, had this little strap that came down 
and a gold cup. And that was it. <laughs> Lots of eye contact. But it was amazing what God did for him. You know, and those pictures that you can't really tell up there. I was take what we had, we had a, we called it our family portrait. And it was big. It was huge. And when they came in the rooms, they got to go get their picture taken anywhere they wanted to in the tent. We had all kinds of pictures and stuff. And then they got to write a word underneath it. And that's what I was trying to get. It just won't show up there. And to see, it was so fun for me to go look and see what those people wrote. And it was amazing. And my Wiccan high priestess wrote, Awakening. <laughs> just amazing. We had this one little boy, and well, he was probably about 11 or 12. And when he came over, he walked like this. He wouldn't make eye contact. He wouldn't speak. But he kept coming back. And he just kind of latched on to one of the older guys. And he was always in our camp. We fed him. He just hung out with us. And by the last day, two of the younger girls from Bethel, they were just bawling. And they said, you'll never believe what he just said to us. He said, you know what? I realized for the first time that I'm important and I have meaning. And there's a place for me in this world. And I was like, oh my gosh, totally changed this boy's life, you know? And, and we just saw that over and over again. Those little kids, I was so thankful they were safe. But I would just pray for them constantly every time I saw them. And I believe God was just building up a deposit in them. And I don't care what their parents do. I don't care what they're in. There was a deposit made that God can build on. And that's what we get to do. We just get to be part of things like that. One other thing. Uh, this, is, this is Burning Man talk, so this is going to sound funny. Mary even got her activity listed in the book. And the book, to get in the book, it had to be pretty good. She led a mass spiritual enema. So in church speak, that's deliverance. <laughs> it's basically walking through the process of getting rid of all those things that hang on to you and weigh you down and bother you in your life. So we had no idea what to expect, how many people would come. So we moved all the furniture to the back of the rooms, and it was a great, great big area. By the time it was done, I was pinned against the edge like this, and there wasn't one spot on the floor. There were Everybody that could fit in there was in there. It was amazing to watch those people. They went through forgiveness. I mean, it was crazy what God did. And so many of them, they came in with their yoga mats, and, you know, they were all new agey, and they just, it was amazing to see how that worked. You wouldn't think that would work, but it really worked. And so, I don't know. I just, I feel so fortunate that God didn't let me get by with that's not my personality and leave me in my little box I was in because I would have missed out on so many things and I'm looking for more things ahead, you know. And just 
to me, the change in my own heart about people. A lot of it was just from fear because I was afraid of them. But part of it was, I guess I kind of thought that unless people were in a certain, at least seeking God, no, he wants them right where they are. He'll pull them right out of the pit. He wants them right where they are. So I didn't know how to end this. I wrote this in the car. Carol's like, hey. I was sitting in my car. And I said, this is just a part of my journey. And I've learned so much along the way. The most important thing I think I've learned is how much God loves every person and how every act of kindness counts. Everyone. So whatever you do, do it with love. And you'll be partnering with God. Doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter how small. You know, he says, if you give a drink of water in my name, you don't have to do big stuff. Whatever you do, just do it with love. He loves every person the same. We cannot get a prideful attitude that we're somehow better than other people. None of us deserve to go to heaven. The Bible says so. It says our righteousness is like filthy rags. So we got to get away from that idea of, well, I'm better than that person because I'm not doing that. It doesn't matter. And we get the joy of showing that love to them. You can make an impact right where you are, wherever God puts you, whoever he brings to your path, you can make an impact in that person's life. When we step out in faith, he always meets us. I got put in some situations I wasn't sure how that was going to work out. But he always showed up. He's so trustworthy. He's so kind. And when he asks us, now I think we can be presumptu presumptuous, but when we do what he asks us to do, he's always going to show up. And uh, I don't know, if I can leave you with anything, it would just be, just don't, try to see people through God's eyes. Yeah. Just like he asked me when I was praying and crying for my kids. And he said, will you hurt for my kids? You know, he feels just as deeply about the darkest person in the world as I felt about my own children that day. So I'd just like to pray over us and just ask God to just impart his heart so that we can love people the way he loves people father i just it's been such a privilege to have these 11 weeks and just to get to share some of the things you've done some of the things you've taught me but lord it's been more of a privilege i just feel like you're revealing to people what what they can do, what you have in mind for them, and how you feel about them. And I love the way you just meet us right where we are. At my most broken moment, you were right there. And I look back in amazement. I didn't think I would even live. And I look in amazement at the things you've let me do. And I just pray that you would just infuse every person here or listening with hope that 
today is not the end of the story. That where we are, where we've been does not define us. And that we can be every single thing you've created us to be. Lord, I thank you for that. I just pray that faith would rise up in people, that your love would rise up in our hearts, and that we would start to see people as your children, that we would start to see them as equals with us, and that we would treat them that way. And Lord, I thank you. I just feel like a process has started, and I just thank you for that. And I pray that every person would just take another step up tonight and that they would take another step towards that place you have for them in their path. Lord, I pray blessing over every person that's been to any of these classes or has listened online. And I just pray you would meet them, Lord, in their place of need and that you would just just expand us, Lord. I mean, I... If you want that, just ask him. Just, Lord, I want more. I want to expand. I want to be the woman of God you created me to be. I'm so thankful I'm not that scared, timid person anymore. But I'm also thankful, Lord, that you use me right out of my personality, that I don't have to be something I'm not. And I just pray your goodness and your blessing over every person, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.